Welcome to the All People Podcast, where we talk all people all the time. I'm your host, Elisa Southall. My goal is to improve Canada and employee experiences as well as company cultures throughout U.S. employers. We do this by leading with empathy, diversity, inclusion, equality, teamwork, and transparency. Come on this journey with me. Welcome back to All People Podcast, where we talk all people all the time. I'm your host, Elisa Southall, and today I am here with Amanda Hem. Um, Amanda, thank you so much for, ha- for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here and be part of your podcast. Awesome. Well, I have been anticipating this, and I think what you do is really exciting, particularly for the communities in which I help as well. So tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do. Sure. So I am a parental leave coach. And I say that with a little bit of an asterisk because especially up here in the Northeast, that's a new concept um, of thinking about what a parental leave coach is. I received my training in the West Coast and I'm sort of seeing a wave come across the country and I'm excited to be on the the cutting edge of it. Um, But as a parental leave coach, I work with expecting parents and the companies that value them to help them get ready for parental leave. And some of that is helping with the logistics, giving them the questions to ask HR about their parental leave policies. How do you get paid? What does the insurance need to kick in? All of that. But a lot of it is also um, the less tangible. It's how to have conversations with your colleagues so that they feel like this is a really exciting and welcome time of life and not like you're dumping all the work on them as you're leaving. It's how to have conversations with your manager about how to turn this time into a a chance for professional growth and for leadership. And how can you examine what you're doing now and where you want to go and use your parental leave as a pivot point to getting you there. It's also helping the parents to build those strong foundations at home before they go on leave that's going to support them throughout the, what I call the messy middle of actually having the baby and being at home, um, learning how to be a parent, recovering, bonding, all of that, so that they're feeling strong and ready to come back to work in the capability that makes the most sense for them and their team. So it's, it's looking at that entire focus of it. And I come at this with not only a business and coaching background, but a postpartum and perinatal health background. So when they are in the messy middle, I'm able to give them some tips and techniques that's going to help them uh, with education, with learning how to be a new parent, with increasing their confidence and um, all that goes along with that time of life. That's really exciting. And for me, like, I'll tell you why I think what you're doing is so fantastic. And I'm glad you're doing it um, is really because, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of negative uh, feelings around a transition like that, right? Companies are like, is this person actually going to come back from their leave? Um, Or, you know, they're like, are, you know, how are we going to get this role done while they're gone, right? Or even like, how do we communicate while they're on leave, right? How do we communicate for those necessary pieces that like, continuation of benefits and things like that. So I see it as a way, I know right now, a lot of your focus is really helping sort of the the parents who are going to go out on leave and helping them navigate that from their their beginning point. But I almost see this being able to morph and like maybe my selfishness is like, I would love to see it morph so that you're sort of liaising with companies to say, 
I'm helping them, but like, I also am trying to help you. And so therefore like the companies pay for this type of support right. because they have better, you know, the deeper pockets to do it. Not everybody can afford that. Right. But right. I'd love to see that kind of partnership come from what you're doing. And it, it absolutely is. So in my ideal coaching, it's a partnership where I coach the parents and I coach the managers and have that relationship um, where we can uh, facilitate all of those. And of course, that also jumps back to the executives or HR who hired me to be able to have those conversations and say, this is what I'm seeing is working well in your organization. And these are some areas that need to, that you can improve. They could step it up a little bit. And oftentimes they're even just little tiny tweaks that make a world of difference to the parents. And from the companies, you know, I talk from the parents part because that's the heart centered part. And that's a lot of what I'm, um, a lot of what initially got me into this was making sure that parents feel like they're supported. But from the company perspective, the cost of losing parents because they're not feeling supported, who the parents that feel like they don't have a choice and they can't navigate work and home, um, that's a huge financial loss to the company. And it's very expensive as I don't need to tell you twice, but of hire, like finding somebody new, hiring them, onboarding them, the institutional knowledge that gets lost where if you can bring in a coach who can help with all of those transitions and save money in the long term and save that employee and the workflow that goes around them is amazing. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, and I, and I think oftentimes where that partnership sort of falls off and why the employee either doesn't return or why it's worrisome for the employer is because as you were talking about in the beginning, we're not communicating well. We're not setting expectations well, right? I've been in multiple companies where, you know, we say, okay, employee, you're going to set a timeline to communicate with us every 30 days, right? They've got a lot of stuff going on. Do you think that they're going to remember to communicate with you every 30 days? Probably not, right? But we didn't then like reach out to them and say, hey, it's been 30 days. What's like, because we were sort of just putting the onus back on them. And so it's like, we need a better plan than like follow up in 30 days, talk to you then. And hopefully your world isn't like a mess, right? Because you just had right. a baby and you're dealing with all this other stuff, right? I mean, it's not that, that way of communication is like, and you told them that, you know, in the early beginning of FMLA paperwork, and now they probably forgot that. Right. And, and that's one instance, I, I do work with the parents and the managers about an appropriate keep in touch plan. And that varies from person to person. So some of it is those logistics, like this is what we need for the 30 day touch point, or some of the very important ones, like you need to tell us that you had a baby within 14 days, so we can add them to your insurance plan. <laughs> <laughs> that often gets dropped, especially when it's on the father's insurance plan and not the mother's. But it's also, you know, if something were to happen at work, do you want to know about it if you're on leave or do you not want to know about it? Do you want to hear from everybody at work or do you want to designate a point person that you're going to talk to? Um, and so coming up with that strategy and that communication beforehand, it just it lays the foundation for more success as we go forward. Yeah, and I do like that because there are some things that'll happen, whether it's a reorg, whether it's a layoff, whether it's, you know, something like that, that those people who are out still want to know and they sort of feel like, why wasn't I told? But it's also like, well, we're trying to give you space, right? So you don't right. want to have that animosity of like, we didn't tell you intentionally. It's like, we're trying to give you space, but like there is a person that will communicate it to you if and when, or that you can go to it if and when you need something, right? right? Absolutely. So I know when you, you know, when you were talking with me, you talked about sort of three areas that you focus on were like support planning and education, right? Those seem to come up a lot. And so 
in terms of that, I know you've mentioned it a little bit, but that's for both sides, correct? That's for all sides, yeah. before, after, and in the middle. <laughs> like those are the themes that just keep coming back over and over again. I think that for both the, the managers who haven't supervised somebody through this time frame, giving them support and someone to ask questions and being a, a neutral party, like, can I talk to the, the expecting parent about X, Y, and Z? Does that cross a line that I shouldn't cross? Is that okay? How do I say this? So offering that kind of support, some of the education around what are those policies, what are some of the laws, you know, they they may have had it in a training, but like you were saying with FMLA, you hear it once and it doesn't necessarily come right back when you need it most. And the planning is so critical on, on everybody's side. And I like to say that you create a plan and that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to happen. You create a plan so that you are prepared to know prepared to set what your intentions are, what your expectations are, to do the research around who are those resources, what are the things that I need to know. And then when your plan goes off the rails, because with babies, things happen all the time and (laughs) off the rails is the norm, you at least have a foundation to reevaluate, to come up with your contingency and to make a new plan going forward. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, that goes back to that strong foundation you were talking about, right? If you have that foundation of those contact people, of those ways of communication, right? All those things that you were talking about, you could easily go back to that plan. So that's great. But you're also helping them navigate the return, right? Because there's also that piece of like, yeah, you're going out on leave and like, there's a lot to know sort of in that beginning transition part. There's a lot to know in that middle sort of what you called it, like, you know, that that baby messy part, right? That happens. Um, But then- you know, at the end, right, you're returning and and then what, right? Because there's a whole different feeling of like leaving your child and, and, you know, that sort of, I don't want to say guilt, but that sort of like dual responsibility. And how do I, how do I navigate that? So you're navigating those journeys with people, correct? Absolutely. And, and that's where it becomes unexpected when you're going out on leave you know what your job is, you know how to, like who needs to pick up different pieces and how to make that work. When you have the baby, it's sort of like you've read the baby books, you (laughs) kind of know a little bit about what to expect, but then it starts to get all jumbled up and you have all of the different emotions and logistics and unknowns that are flying at you. So you can lay those plans of what your return is going to look like, but suddenly you as a person have changed and your priorities might've changed. And your, I think about it in my four R's, right? So your roles, routines, relationships, it just changes everything so drastically. So that when you do return to work, maybe you want to change your schedule. So it's not nine to five, but it's 7.30 to 3.30. Or maybe you want to drop some of your responsibilities or pick up something different. And so I navigate how to have those conversations and role-playing what that might look like and thinking through pros and cons of all of that for the parents and for the companies and trying to come up with what that win-win scenario looks like for everybody um, to help that transition feel like it's something where everybody has a choice and isn't feeling like they're forced into something. And like you said, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of guilt, period. I'm just going to period that. Some people feel guilty about leaving their child. Some people are so excited to go back to work because work is comforting and it's their comfort zone. They know what they're doing. And then they feel guilty about wanting to go back to work and feeling like they should be guilty for leaving them. There's just so many shittas and whatas and (laughs) 
it, it definitely gets yeah me. and you know in in addition to what you were talking about right when we were coming to that navigating you know back to work section or thought right what i'm thinking is that you know even when they come back to work right as you said the expectations might have changed and i think the company the supervisors managers hr whoever right get kind of frustrated because they're like, well, you said like you, you didn't think you were going to need a schedule change or you said you didn't think you, but it's like, okay, but they didn't know what their world was really going to be like until like it happened. Right. And so now we have to reassess and reevaluate. And so I think that's where once again, like your communication comes in in the beginning to say, this is what we feel right. This is what they feel right now. But there's a possibility that this could change once the baby is born. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a lot um, of, you know, the mental and emotional piece too, and the well-being. We like to say that returning does not necessarily mean recovered. So they may not be physically recovered and they may not be mentally and emotionally recovered. And so there may be some adaptations that are needed with them. That's one thing that I really pride myself on too with my coaching is every session I have with a parent, I do perinatal mental health screening. So that if there are any challenges around postpartum anxiety, depression, OCD, we're catching that early and helping them to get that support. And then when they come back to work and we're navigating that, if they are still struggling and they're not fully recovered, either mentally, emotionally, or physically, they're going back to that return with an awareness of what's going on and an ability to communicate that. And to also say to their managers, this is where I am right now. This is not necessarily a forever state. And how can we work with this? Well, and again, this is what I need right now, right? You know, setting that like sort of the boundary setting that we all sort of, I think, lack in corporate America where we're like, no, this is how I feel. This is what I need, right? And like setting that boundary. So I think that that's fantastic. On the same side of that navigating though, I I look from the employer lens again, because I've been on that side, right? Of like, when they come back, The other thing that we need to, that you sort of can help with is that those employers have to have a place for, for the mothers, if if their mother's returning a place for them to lactate, right? Mm -hmm. A place for them to have a room and it's not a bathroom. It's not, you know, you have to have a designated room with a lock, with a privacy screen, right? All of those things. So that's something that like, if the company knows when that person is going out, that this is something that they need, they can start to work on that before the person comes back. Right. And that's one of the easiest places to make a change to make a parent feel welcome. You know, if you have, you know, you have that space and you have it set up and you just throw in a few niceties, throw in a couple of extra water bottles or a post-it note that you can put up on the wall that says, hey, you got this. Or my manager, when I came back from leave, before I even came back, put into my calendar three times a day meal preparation. So it wasn't throwing it out there that I was pumping and that I would have my breasts out in public, but it was his subtle way of saying, I'm okay with this. And I know this is what you need. And I'm going to give you the time and space. And it cost him nothing. And it like 14 years later, it still warms my heart that this is what he did. That's fantastic. And I will tell you, one of the things that I really love, one of the companies I worked for when our employees had a baby, regardless of it was, um, you know, whichever parent it was, right? We sent a baby blanket to their home with the baby's name and their birth date and um, like a little graphic, we, we ordered it. And so it was really cute. And we would just order it and mail it to them 
without them even knowing it was coming, right? But the idea was like, we just wanted to give them something to be like, congratulations, you know, this is a great milestone, right? And so it was just our way of being like, we're thinking of you and your child, but like, you don't have to reach back out, right? So like, you know, giving them that space, but it was the first time I had had an employer who was doing that. And I was like, this is really nice. It's just those little tiny touches. And Mm -hmm. I talk with managers too about things you know, there's that nice to have, you know, could you put a bouquet of flowers for their first day back on their desk? Like that would be amazing and feel really good. But it's also logistic things. Are Does their key card work or did it get expired? Did their password for their computer expire? Does IT know that they're coming back so that this is a smooth transition? And how can we lower expectations for those first few days? And instead of having the parent come back on a Monday, can they come back on a Wednesday? Because a three-day work week is a lot easier to swallow than a five-day in your first week in your job. Or how can you set expectations that the first week is all about going through the 50,000 emails that are in your inbox and not actually diving into work projects? <laughs> I know you talked about coaching packages. And so you have those educational workshops as well. And you have consultations. And so what are some those educational workshops that you're doing? Are those um, sort of part of those coaching packages? Or are you doing like workshops separately for anybody who wants to attend and maybe not for just your coaching client? Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing the coach, the workshop separately. So I do um, a variety of workshops. Some of them are for managers to talk specifically about what are some of those things that you can do to make it a more parent-friendly environment. And, and ensure that the work is still getting done, right? That's the big question. How do we get this work done? Um, I do some workshops for parents on both the expecting side and the newly returned back to work side to give some tips and tricks of how to make this smoother. Um, my favorite workshops that I run are what one company is calling baby showers. And it's me partnered with their leave administrator and the leave administrator, and we invite all the expectant parents to come in. And the leave administrator talks about, you know, your paid leave, your insurance, your PTO. How do you use that? Who are the contacts? What's the short-term disability? Like all of that HR stuff <laughs> that you know so well as your world. And then I come in and talk more about maybe as the top five things experienced parents wish you wish they knew before they had a baby. And it's about how to take care of yourself and to build those support networks and what kind of help do you, are you gonna be asking for and how can you use this time as a chance to develop some leadership skills and not just, uh, it's, it's not a vacation as so many parents hate to hear, um, but how can we leverage this? Yeah, and I hear you on that. You know, people see it like, oh, well, you had all this time off. And I say, but they didn't, you know, they didn't really have the time off. Right. They weren't here, but they had another job that they were handling. Um, but to your point about the leadership, one of the things I thought was really interesting that you noted in in your comments to me was that parenting can can lead to increased leadership and also professional development. So can you enlighten the audience about how that happens and like where, where you see those things occurring in the, in the new parent you know, process? Yeah, absolutely. It is really interesting because they do overlap in, in ways that you wouldn't expect. Um, some of it comes from this planning and the communicating. So you are upping communication skills. You're upping your awareness at work of what other people are doing and how to create those win-win scenarios. Um, 
and those skills apply at, at home too. So you're figuring out what are the logistics around, you know, childcare and your doula services and your medical and all of that. And meanwhile, you're learning how to communicate with your baby who has the best nonverbal skills in the world. <laughs> so you're learning that. You're learning how to manage your own self when you are under extreme stress and extreme pressure because that comes with parenting. You're learning how to communicate if you have a partner with your partner and as those roles and responsibilities are shifting, rebalancing and re-navigating that. And those skills will translate when you come back to work. So you're more aware of your colleagues nonverbal. You're more aware of how to express your own needs and understand other people's needs. So the leadership skills can come out and those softer skills come out that way. And then I think that there's a real opportunity too, right at, at this junction to um, take some professional growth opportunities. So if you are in a role and you know you wanna jump into the next role up, how can you use your preparation for parental leave to train up the person who's going to be taking on your responsibilities, help them have that professional development into your level so that when you come back, you can step up to another level and not use this time as a place to step back or step out of your role if that's not what you want to do. Yeah, I, I like that. And I can see where you're coming from, you know, in, in that regard. And one of the things I will say is like, I know your brain definitely fires differently when you're pregnant, right? You're, you're, you know, I don't know the, the scientific terms, but you're definitely like able to do a lot more and, and think differently and all of that. And so, you know, I even think like before you leave and you're on that transition, like, what did you want to upscale? Because it might be the great time for you to do it because even though you have a lot that you're going to do, right. Your brain is just at a different capacity level for, for, you know, smartness. I, that's not a word, but you know, <laughs> It, but know, it is. It happens. Yeah. yeah. And you're learning how to think in so many different dimensions. And so then when you're both the, pre the preparing and the coming back, you're, you're approaching situations in an entirely new perspective. Um, the other thing that you talked about was this retain coaching methodology. So what does that, re what does retain coaching methodology mean in, in that phrasing? Yeah, so the retain coaching was is a whole process that's developed by Dr. Amy Beacom of the Center for Parental Leave Leadership. And she's been doing this for 16 or 17 years. Um, again, starting on the West Coast, she's in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and looking at a way to blend transition coaching, executive coaching, adult learning, uh, and a variety of other techniques that are well known in the coaching world to come together and support both the parents and the managers. Um, it, she's broken it down into a framework that I now use of uh, thinking about the transition in three separate parts. So the before, during, and after leave. Um, and then what are the touch points that need to happen throughout each of those phases? So the announcement, how did that go? How are you assessing your needs and communicating those? How are you putting together your action plans, your keep in touch strategies, um, acknowledging the return to work and what that might look like navigating that return. And throughout each of that, the RETAIN acronym um, includes things like 
rapport. So how can you build a rapport and a relationship with the people that are around you? How can you do some education? How do you tailor the the coaching and and the, the needs to the situation? Because every situation is totally different. Um, how can you do uh, more instruction and exploring deeper some of the um, the situation that that you're in that that's unique to you? And then how do you develop those next steps um, and creating an action plan for every step of the way? So the retain model is it's validated, it's proven, it's gone through studies, and it's one of those key uh, foundational pieces that I use with all of the parents and the managers that I'm working with. Well, and I like that it's got the word retain in it from an HR perspective. I'm like, we all want to retain each other. Like that's the way to go. So well, and that's that's it. It's retaining the employee, but it's also helping the employee to retain what's most important to them. Right. That's great. So one of the things you shared in your questionnaire, which I think is fantastic, um, your, your community spotlight that we have, um, Mm -hmm. you talked about how your 12 year old son is your coach and your business advisor. So can you tell us like how that came to be? I mean, that's a really cool thing to have right in your back pocket sort of. Oh, he is, he is totally the ace in the hole for me. I love it. Um, he just has a brain like no other where he can see the big picture and then he breaks it down simply. And I think that we all get into this time where you're like, I think I should do this, but here's A, B, and C and X, Y, and Z. And I don't know how they play together. And what do I do? And he's like, well, mom, what you do is you say, I like to help the moms and dads so that they're better at their job. And I'm like, oh, yes, it's that simple. Okay. And he goes, and then you go out and you tell, you know, you tell Elisa what you're doing. And then she goes out and she tells the next person. And then that next person tells the next person. And that's how your marketing works. I'm like, oh, yes, that is exactly how it works. It it sounds like you're going to have a little entrepreneur on your hands. You better believe it. He's going to go places. <laughs> That's good. You're already, you're already getting him prepped for that kind of work, huh? Absolutely. Well, yeah. that's awesome. And I know one of the other topics that I, that correlates to this, right. That I've always thought very strongly about, particularly during, and I'll say the word COVID. Um, but I tried to get my, one of my former employers to like, let's have some sort of schooling or daycare option or um, something like that, where the, the employees who are coming here also are bringing their child here. You're going to reduce absenteeism. You're going to reduce tardyism, right? Um, all of those things that we can reduce because the, the students or the children are actually here. Um, and so particularly during COVID, when all these people have now, the parents are having to homeschool, which is a whole nother dimension that they weren't ready for, right? Bring them here and we'll have a teacher here that will do that. So in terms of like the childcare aspect, do you see that as a value add if companies are willing to do it? I do see it as a value add up to a certain point of the, like if they have somebody there, you know, an onsite daycare or a teacher or something, I think that that's really helpful. Some program, some companies have bring your child to work up to six months. And that actually doesn't, you know, if you have your office and your baby's there and they're taking long naps and you can feed them on demand and you can work back and forth, then it can kind of work. If you have a two-year-old, it's a totally different scenario. And then they're just disrupting more people than, um, than they have around. But I am seeing more people, especially for those first few months of life, offer some flexibility around 
being able to bring your time to work or to work shorter hours or um, have those ramp up programs so that you can balance childcare and work a little bit. Yeah, and even where childcare is so hard to find externally, right? That's where I was thinking if you could actually create like a organized childcare, daycare, education center, something that's like combined, because then not only are you giving them a way to like have less stress, right? Dropping off, picking up all of that, but also like you're going to retain them more because it's going to be hard for them to want to even leave your company knowing that like, now I have to actually go find childcare. Right. And that peace of mind of, we were talking about the guilt of leaving your child. If they are another floor down or the next building over, it's a whole lot less guilt inducing. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so I know you keep mentioning the West Coast versus the East Coast, right? And obviously, you know, there are differences on our on our coast in general, but what do you, do you feel like there's a reason why sort of that, that West Coast mindset already is doing some of this, whereas like on this East Coast, we're, we're not there yet? I don't know why, but historically, you know, California was the first with their paid parental yeah. leave, right? <laughs> so that taking care of parents has been ingrained a little bit longer than it is here. We are seeing more and more states jump on to the paid parental leave um, bandwagon. And along with that comes the support. I'm interested in looking at the way that fathers and the non-birthing partners are interacting with the families in the workplace now that paid family parental leave is coming up available to them. So I'm in Massachusetts and we get 12 weeks of paid family leave. And that applies to all parents, regardless of if you gave birth or not, or surrogacy or adoption or fostering, right? So there's a lot of different definitions. And just anecdotally, I'm seeing the dads take time where they never took time before and companies needing to meet those challenges because before when dads took two weeks, they could treat it like a vacation. And now that it's a little bit longer, they need to think about how are we um, treating this leave time differently? And what does that support look like before and after so that we can make it smooth and not disruptive to everybody? Wow. I, yeah, I think that that's great. And, and to your point, I mean, I think California is usually ahead of all of us on all of our policies, but um, I, you know, I think that there's great things that come with that. And so I'm Massachusetts as well. And, and we do have that new, you know, paid family medical leave, which is great, but a lot of the times, and I'll even say this for other contexts, right. It's not just for parents. Um, you know, a lot of times people just think, Oh, that PFML, I can only use if I'm, you know, going out on, you know, having a baby or that kind no, it's for your personal medical leave. It's if your child has something that medically they need or your parent has something medically that they need or your spouse, right? So it's it's all encompassing. But to your point about, you know, the the paternal, like sort of sort of that part of that parental leave, um, it'll be interesting to see sort of how that rolls out. Yeah. And I even am going to like, you know, we're the we're the only first world country that doesn't have a universal policy, right, for, for this mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I looked to places like Canada where, you know, they give one of the families I knew, you know, they were talking about how they gave family a year. So the fam- the parents could split that time and say, I want to do six months and I'm going to do six months and they're going to do sort of the back and the front half, right? The family got a year to have, and it was a paid year. 
And I was like, imagine like if we had that mindset, right? But we're the only first world country that does not have a universal paid leave. Yeah. I also like dreaming bigger, like extrapolating it out, right? (laughs) If you have both parents involved in that first year of life, what does that do to balancing the parent roles and balancing the gender equity issues and not having, is it going to change the default parent mentality that, you know, even the primary secondary parent language, I, I hate that in HR because how do you designate the primary parent? Like <laughs> they're the ones that gets up more in the night. They're the ones that <laughs> feed the kid more than the other parent. I don't know. But having that equality in parenting, I think is going to lead to more equality in the workplace. Not something that I think people need to think about more. And, and even to your point, right, with the, you know, primary, secondary, right? You know, when you look at same-sex parents who are having children, right? Are you are you then designating the primary secondary? Like it doesn't that mentality of primary secondary doesn't work. You're both parents carrying equal loads. Sure, for the first nine months, the, the mother or whoever the, you know, a surrogate or whoever is carrying the child is, is affected differently, but there's not a primary and a secondary parent unless it's how they've structured their household. Right. I like to talk with parents about the fact that the family leave, the bonding is for both parents and the medical leave is for the medical issue of the birthing parents. So if you have needs because you birth the child and your body has the recovery issues, then that's medical leave. If it's around, you know, bonding with the child and having some time to get everything off in the right foot, that's your family and your bonding. Well, and I've even seen some policies in HR that are, you know, if you are the you know, not the person who is delivering the child, right? If you have that medical side, yes, we'll let you be out for your medical time. But regardless of if you're male or female or surrogacy or adoption, right? They're giving you like five days of paid leave in a, in a state where there's not already paid leave. Right. And I'm like five days is not enough. Like, I don't know where you think, even if I, even if the child's adopted or through surrogacy, that's not enough time to even formulate a plan for what to do next, you right. know? So- I just, you know, for companies that aren't that for states that don't have sort of a paid leave in place, right? If you're giving that 12 weeks of unpaid FMLA, then you're sort of losing that. I'll say, you know, oh, it's not a big deal if I come back to work because, you know, you're losing that like desire because you don't feel like the company cares about you. And with those very short leaves, like you're saying, the five days, um, I'll just share a story of a, a family that I just talked to yesterday. It was the first time I saw them with their brand new baby. And the birthing parent had high blood pressure. So she was in the hospital for a day before they decided to induce. It was a three-day induction birthing process, ending in a C-section, which meant four days in the hospital. And then her blood pressure hadn't gone down. So she needed to stay for another two days. So they were in the hospital for nine days. And that was not even at home and settling in and adjusting that is just the medical necessities that were happening and at that point if the dad had had five days it would have been shot and he would have already used up half of his vacation for the year it's it's a tough situation yeah and and it really like makes you feel like oh this is not a welcoming culture right they don't even care that i had a child that my 
my birthing, the birthing parent went through this, right? And so um, I think as a society, our mindset needs to change and move more toward that empathy. I'm, I'm big on that, like move more to that empathy side versus like this old fashioned sort of, you know, work and, and we're just here for work and no play, right? Like that's not what we're, what our lives are about anymore. Right. Um, so we need to be more empathetic and, and understanding with these are people, these are human beings, not robots, not just employees, right? They're human beings. And that that translates well beyond the parental leave. So I have my parental leave hat on because that's where, that's my domain. But I've been working with a dad who his company has a policy for longer time, but there has never been a dad who has taken more than five weeks. It's just the stigma. That's the way that it's built in. And he's trying to break that mold. And so he's going to take eight weeks and he's really having to convince everybody that this is the way to go. And I've been so proud of the work that he's doing at his organization because he's saying, this is helpful for me and my family and what we need, but it's also going to help that person who's taking care of his mom who is battling cancer or this person who needs to take leave for this other time, or even like the guy down the road who's going to be taking a honeymoon and wants to take two weeks of vacation. Let's not shame him for being out of the office. Let's like celebrate these exciting milestones in your life. Yeah. And, and that was sort of where I was getting at with that, you know, paid family leave policy, but even in, in general, like you were talking about with having those sort of meetings, right. With yourself and the HR team, I've always said, you know, companies should be pulling their employees together once a quarter and talking about FMLA, right. Don't just like, yeah, they signed a policy 10 years ago, or they signed it at the beginning of the year. They didn't read that policy. If you just sent it to them with a list of other policies, right. So have a conversation about like, here's what qualifies, here's how you qualify, here's how you start that process, right? Because I've had many employees that are like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to appointments with my mom. And I'm like, but you're not on FMLA. And they're like, well, I didn't know I could be. And even if it's intermittent, even if you just have to drive them to an appointment, you still get that time, the, the paid leave, if you're in a state where that is, where that applies or a company where they're already doing that, or just the unpaid portion, that you have that sort of excused absence to say, no, I'm dealing with this, right? Right. But companies are not doing doing great at sort of setting that stage and saying, here's what you need to know. And it, and my theory is because they don't want people going out on leave. Mm-hmm. But there's so much that like that's that's a poor way to go about it, right? You know, you don't want them to go on leave, but that doesn't mean that they don't need it, or and their productivity is probably not as strong at work because they're focused on these other things. Right. And they may stay at work longer. Like you might be retaining that person because you're offering that empathy and that information. I did leave the company that I was working for. I had wonderful experiences through parental leave, but when my daughter was five and diagnosed with a medical issue, and then my husband had major surgery immediately after, and my boss was giving me a lot of grief of who else can take care of all these appointments and what are you doing? That was the final straw that I said, I'm out of here. This isn't working for me. And if she had instead come to say, you know, we have FMLA, this is what it means. And this is how we can work with you to navigate this. We see what the challenges are that you're facing. They, one, I probably would not be doing what I'm doing now, (laughs) but they would have been able to retain me as an employee and um, not lost all that, that knowledge that I had and having to then replace me. Mm. And I've seen that happen too. Like, can't somebody else do this? And it's like, 
if somebody else could, don't you think that I would be having them do it? Right. Like, and we don't give them the the grace of like, they already thought through all of the options, right. Even with childcare, you know, like when they're like, Oh, during COVID, they're like, nobody else can go pick up your kid. And I was like, and this was like, you know, two employees and their leadership team is asking these questions. And I'm like, it, it doesn't matter if somebody else, like, that's not our business. Our business is to say, you need to do this. How can we help you? How can we support you? What do you need from us? Right? right. Not like there's nobody else you can call. Well, if there was, they would have done that. <laughs> Trust right. in that, right? <laughs> that you, they're, they're knowledgeable enough to go and do that stuff. And if they're making all of these, you know, if, if the employee really is like wanting to go and do that instead of being at work, do you really want them at work? Anyway, right, right. They're not going to be bringing them best, their best selves to the work. Right. So, you know, in terms of this leave, like I said, I would this parental leave coaching. I would like to see it become um, a benefit that companies have as part of their um, employee assistance program type stuff, right? Or their comprehensive wellness packages. So, so that right, all of this coaching is paid for by the employer and not necessarily by the parents themselves. So I would like to see that go that route in the future. Is that something that you're hoping will happen in in growth mode? Absolutely, absolutely. I would love to, and it can look different for different people, right? Because I I understand that there's different levels of employees and how much companies are willing to invest in those employees. So maybe having the full coaching package from soup to nuts for, um, somebody who's really a high value employee makes a lot of sense. And then for other people, or if they're looking for a more affordable way saying, have a one-time coaching session, have a meeting, or let's bring in, um, you know, a parent, a parental leave coach who can come in monthly and meet with our expectant parents and help to bring the support and this education and just make it a, like you said, a benefit, you know, you come and you say, Hey boss, I'm pregnant. Now what? And they're like, here's what, you know, here's your parental leave coach who's going to help you navigate this. This is the stuff you need to know from HR. And this is the timeline of when we're going to work together to figure out your, your next steps and just have that all outlined. Mm. Yeah. And, and I see that being the case too. I mean, I, even when we had EAP programs, there were certain things filled in with the EAP that was like, that were like, you know, you get three free therapy sessions or something like that. So sort of like, we're not paying for the whole thing, but you're going to be able to get some, some appointments to see if this is the right fit for you. Would you think that's, you know, that's at least a good place to start, but I would love to see it be, this is impactful for us. So we want to pay for the whole thing to help you navigate this process because it also helps us navigate this process. My fingers are crossed that companies will, will do that for you. Um, and so, you know, you're working with companies all across the U S which means that you're doing some research then on like local state laws and things like that pertinent to their states. Right. Yeah. There's a great website, better balance that outlines all of the state laws around, um, paid family leave and sick leave and what that looks like. And that's a really great place for people to go who are looking for that initial, what is my state? Better balance. I'll drop that in the show notes because that's really great that that is there, particularly for companies now when they're doing remote work and they have employees all over, right? And as an employer, as an employee, you're like, okay, but how does this work, right? Especially if your company isn't communicating that. Right. And that's my soapbox for 
federal leave too, is if we could make it all standardized, how much easier would that be for the companies instead of having locations in 10 different states and <laughs> needing to have 10 different policies? Well, and, and I'm a firm believer of like, if you're operating in 10 different states, just take the strictest states policy and deploy in, in your whole org. Because can you imagine if you had a policy that was like, well, California is doing this, but the rest of y'all get this. Like, no, like that's not how this should work, right? Like, we shouldn't get something lesser because we live in a different state. Um, but to your point, right? Yeah, it needs to be federally. And I think we need to get as a, as a country and a culture, we need to get away from this you know, sort of like work is our everything and move to like some of these other cultures have where we're more of that empathetic, you know, type of mentality. Because it's not, you don't, you don't compartmentalize work and home, everything no. you know, blended. So let's just not pretend that that's not happening and <laughs> call a spade a spade and say, okay, how are we going to take care of the whole person? Well, exactly. And I, I always joke that like, I don't walk in the door and it's like powering off home life. Like we're not, we don't like power that down those anxieties and frustrations and challenges that you're dealing with at home come with you to work. And the same is true when you leave work, they come home with you. Even if you don't have a salary job where you're doing work at home, those things sort of that happened today that made your day bad or, you know, impacted you negatively, right? You're taking those with you and then it's impacting you at home. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a cycle for sure. Right. So tell us where people can find you if they would like to do that. What platforms on you on, are you on? Do you have a website? What does that look like? I do. My website is, I, I try to keep it all simple. So my website is www.amandahem.com. <laughs> so you can find me there. My LinkedIn is amandahem. And my Instagram is amandahem underscore new parent. And I do have to say that my website is very focused on, um, on the corporate side. So working on that parental leave piece of it, but I also do work directly with parents. So if a company is not supporting this initiative and a parent's just looking for, um, I do that as well. Awesome. And so I like to end every podcast by directing our focus to Maya Angelou and her wonderful quote. Um, she is my favorite poet of all time. Um, and so I want to ask you, um, you know, in this quote, she says, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Can you share a time where that was true for you? When you told me that this was the quote that you were asking, it made me laugh because new parent brain is totally mush <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and that mom brain, the baby brain, it, this is the time of life where people don't remember what you're saying. They don't remember those particulars, but they remember so much of, did you, did you make them feel welcome? Did you make them feel like they were valued and that they had meaning that the, that you cared for them, that you wanted them to come back to work, um, that you wanted to make this better. And they may not remember the particulars of how that all happened. Um, and then the flip side, unfortunately, is true, too. If you made them feel less than and you made them feel like you doubted that they were coming back and they doubted their authenticity, then that's what people remember. And especially when you're out on parental leave, how, how the company sets the tone before you go on leave is the feeling that is carried throughout the entire parental leave. So how can we help parents to know the companies value them and love them and want them. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. 
Um, and thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, and as I always end every episode, lead with empathy, act with kindness. Have a great day, y'all. Thank you for listening to All People Podcast. If you enjoyed our show, I'd love for you to subscribe and leave a five-star review. The work doesn't end here. If you want to keep the conversation going, find me on LinkedIn or Facebook or visit my website, apeoplepartnerllc.com. Lead with empathy and act with kindness. Have a great day.